Hi, and welcome to the Unveiled Podcast, where we discuss all things related to women to help us think Christianly in every area of life. I'm Sandy, and I'm here with Susie, and we both have a passion to bring biblical reform to womanhood. My training is in music and education, and Susie's background is in biblical counseling, theology, and women's ministry. We are coming up on 22 years of ministry together at Harvest Bible Church in Windsor. And today we're going to take a break from our Proverbs series to take a closer look at friendship. Maybe, Susie, you could share briefly why we want to discuss this. Yes, well, I've been noticing, um, and I've thought about this for a while and seen how women, I think, really struggle with friendships. Mm -hmm. And as much as we are um, kind of labeled as relational beings, women almost seem to struggle more in many ways these days than than men do. I, I see that sometimes men actually have stronger and deeper friendships than that of many women. And so I thought this would be a super important topic t- to discuss. And it probably, uh, what kind of catapulted this in where I thought I absolutely need to do a podcast is I had a woman that I was counseling and after we finished our sessions together, She went on and continued some sort of other therapy. And even by the time she'd come to see me, she'd been in a variety of different therapies, you know, whether it was uh, medical related or mental health related or whatever it might be. She'd been part of many therapies, came to counseling with me and continued on with other therapy. And a little while later, after we finished, she messaged me and she asked me if I had a challenge that I could give her. And this is what I told her start making friendships and relationships that aren't connected to therapy. You see, I think this woman, uh, she was a a lovely person. She really would be a very nice person. I enjoyed chatting with her. She's a servant. She loves the Lord, but she had no true friends. She didn't know how to trust anyone enough to make them a friend. On the one hand, she seemed very satisfied in her relationship with the Lord, but she didn't have true relationships with people. She'd been hurt a lot in the past. And so she was finding all of her satisfaction in her relational needs by going from one therapy group to another. And I thought, that's sad, right? You're not going to really find healing until you just go and build true relationships Mm -hmm. that aren't dependent on therapy. But because she was lonely, therapy offered her relationship And so, of course, I certainly felt bad for this poor woman. Uh, After I got her message, I did message another biblical counselor friend of mine to see if she had any good resources on friendship. And she she sent back a couple of books or resources. I think one of them might have been, I didn't look back to confirm, but I I think one of them might have been a book that I also recommend has impacted my life. It's called When God is Small and People Are Big. Excellent book. Mm -hmm. And I definitely recommend it for people. But... Uh, I also know that there's other books on being people pleasers and trusting God. And those are all truths that I think are very necessary and good for people. But I, I just wanted a good resource on just plain old friendship and understanding what does God's word say about friendship and how can we make better friends. And so I don't know, but... I pray that by God's grace, Sandy, this mm-hmm. podcast series will become a good resource for anyone who is struggling with making friends. 
um, there's lots of good resources in biblical counseling about overcoming our idols and forgiveness and repentance and um, our identity. And those are all background truths that we need to know. But how do I make a friend, right? Mm. And I know that the woman that I just mentioned earlier, she's not alone. I think more and more, like I already said as well, that women are lonely and they're isolated. And I think the identity that we've had in the past as being the relational gender, I, I think that's actually, I'm not sure if that's actually true anymore. It's definitely uh, at risk of no longer being true for us as women. Uh, I think there's a lot of insecure women. Women are busy. They are fearful of making true friends because they don't want to get hurt. And so they protect themselves. And then our culture has redefined any true friendship with sexuality, right? Mm. Gone are the days of bosom buddies like Anne of Green Gables mm. with her best friend, Diana, who did everything together. And I don't even know, it's been a long time since I watched any of their movies, but I have this picture of them frolicking through the, the meadow in the prairies, holding hands together, but in a completely innocent mm -hmm. way. So I don't know if that actually happened or not, but that's my image of them as bo <laughs> bosom buddies. It was a true friendship. Yeah. But in today's society, if you have deep feelings for a female, you must be gay. Mm. Every intimacy is now sexualized. And this is so sad because instead of deepening our love, sexualization in the wrong context actually distorts love. And in the end, it destroys genuine love between two human beings. And so God's word has a lot to say about friendship. Uh, I don't think we are designed to go through life in isolation and independence. I think friendship is an important part of Christianity. And so I thought it would be good to do a series on this. Um, part one, which we're doing right now, is going to be focusing on what the Bible says about friendship and giving some biblical examples of friendship. And part two will be the application of God's word on friendship. So if you're just listening to this podcast, please listen to the second one as well, because we're just this is our, our groundwork. We're building mm -hmm. up the concept of friendship. But if you want the practical tips, you do have to listen to part two. So make sure you listen the next time as well. And so, yeah, that's what I would just say. Um, yeah, let's dig in. What does God's word actually say, mm -hmm. Sandy? All right. Well, it is wonderful that we don't have to go through life alone and that the Lord has blessed us with friends. And um, well, let's, let's first look at uh, one that actually pops into my head right away when thinking about friendship, and that is David and Jonathan. And from the outset, this is a complicated relationship. Jonathan's father was the king, and David had been chosen to take his place. Jonathan's devotion to his friend must have made his father's jealousy even stronger. And we read in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1, it says, "...the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David." And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And it reminds me of Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine that says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And a few chapters later, we see um, a very emotional exchange between these friends. In chapter 20, Jonathan warns David that he should flee. Again, he chooses his friend over his father. And it says in verse 41, And as soon as the boy had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. 
And later on in, in the scripture, after Jonathan dies, David takes one of his sons who was crippled as his own, and that's in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And this was an enduring, lifelong friendship that even lasted past the death of Jonathan. Um, we see that these men were vulnerable and emotional in front of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's uh, a great example of true friendship. And we know that these two guys, um, they did have that true and intimate friendship with each other. Like mm-hmm. you said, they were emotional and vulnerable around each other. They they trusted each other deeply. And um, I think we need to recognize like somebody in our culture to read these verses would immediately sexualize this mm-hmm. and how horrific and how sad that this true friendship has been sexualized and people would tr- try to claim that Jonathan and David were homosexual. Mm-hmm. That is so far from the truth. Mm-hmm. We know this largely in part because the Bible condemns homosexuality and you can look up Leviticus 18:22 along with Leviticus 20, verse 13, and Romans 1, 18 to 25, homosexuality is not appropriate. But these guys were acting in a way that was not sexual, but it was emotional in the context that they lived in. Mm -hmm. And like you said, these were true friends. We see that they sacrificed and they supported each other, right? Um, They sacrificed by... Well, Jonathan was willing to tell David that his father was going to kill him. Mm -hmm. So instead of just aligning with his dad, no, he said, no, that's not right what my dad is going to do. I'm going to go and tell David about this. And he supported, they supported each other. Amazing how David continued to support his son after, even Mm -hmm. after he had died, his relative, he support, was it his son or his relative? Um, Either way, it was a relative Mm -hmm. of Jonathan's that David continued to support. So it was... Uh, just a beautiful relationship. And they, they had a covenant. Uh, we read that in, you know, between First Samuel 18 and 20. It was a covenant relationship they had with each other. And we see this in Jonathan giving David his robe, his armor, his sword, his bow, and his belt. And these were all um, symbols that he was handing over the throne. Mm-hmm. Jonathan should have been the rightful heir of that throne according to the way things were done back then right because Saul was his father the throne should have been passed on to uh, Jonathan but Jonathan knew that David had been chosen by God to be the next king he wasn't jealous of that he wasn't uh, angry about that he didn't try to take it away no he actually made a covenant with David by giving him these things and sealing that covenant by saying, yeah, I'm going to support you mm-hmm. as the future king. I'm not going to try and hold it back for myself. And just a beautiful example. Actually, my husband was uh, recently chatting about the covenantal nature of the church and how that is in contrast to that hyper-individualism that we see in society today. Uh, as a church, we should be looking out for each other and we are accountable to each other and we are under the the authority of the elders and leaders of the church. And we need to trust them with that. And we need to think about the, the, the community rather than just the individual. 
And we see Jonathan very much not just thinking about himself, but he is thinking about David and what's best for the nation of Israel. And so he doesn't hold on to his rightful position as the next king. No, he he gives it over in covenant to David. And then we see that protection and that loyalty, like, wow, uh, the protection they offered each other and the loyalty we see here once again, uh, we see it in Jonathan warning David that his father wants to kill him. And that loyalty that he's willing to be loyal to the one that God has chosen rather than even his own father. Uh, very interesting. And as you already mentioned as well, he loved David as his own soul. Mm -hmm. uh, it shows they had an emotional connection, right? And once again, as we're thinking about emotional connections, let's remember, especially in today's context, that emotional connections do not equal sexual connections. Emotional connections just means that there's something intimate, real. It's trust. There's sacrifice. There's loyalty. Uh, there's depth to the relationship, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm. Our next one is Elijah and Elisha. And in this relationship, we see a mentoring uh, friendship. This was an intentional training on both of their parts. But we read in 2 Kings chapter 2, when Elijah is to be taken to heaven, he tells Elisha to go, to stay behind. He tells him this twice, and Elisha replies, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And Elisha was able to witness the chariots of fire and horses of fire, and then Elijah going up by a whirlwind, and that's in 2 Kings chapter 2. Mm -hmm. um, Elisha then takes Elijah's cloak and steps into the role of his mentor. And what I, what I gain or glean from this account is that we become like our friends. Mm. And we should be intentional about who we want to emulate, regardless of age or um, status or anything like that, right? Yeah, ab so. absolutely. I think that's a great insight. Uh, it, their relationship, the relationship between Elijah and Elisha, it does model the importance of influence and discipleship. And it is a good reminder that we don't just have to have friends with people our own age or in our own season of life. No, like, let's... Let's be mm -hmm. friends with one another. I think there's a lot of beauty in having friendship with women who are in a different season of life. And really, it reminds me of Titus 2, 3 to 5 that says, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders of sla or slaves to too much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young woman to love their husbands and, ch and children, to be sober or self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. So yeah, um, friendship doesn't always mean that we're on equal terms. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there is one that is more mature or has more life experience in a certain area. And we should be okay with being influenced by our friends mm -hmm. and not be offended when they try to disciple us or counsel us or give us biblical direction we should welcome that right yeah. and at the same time we should recognize as friends we have the authority as christians and sisters in christ to do that mm -hmm. not in a self-righteous mm -hmm. or condemning or i know it all kind of manner but in a loving manner to build each other up in christ mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. yeah to pour into somebody else and also allow others to pour into you we see that also with paul and timothy um, another mentoring relationship in the new testament uh, they share a common goal, which was 
to proclaim the gospel. They had a mutual purpose, and their relationship was described as one of a father and a son. And we see that in Philippians 2, verse 22, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, 1 Corinthians 4, 17. Um, and we see that Paul shows Timothy care, guidance, and instruction. Exactly. And uh, I think it's a beautiful demonstration that friendship is also family in the spiritual mm-hmm. context, mm-hmm. right? And Paul was a father figure to Timothy, and Timothy was like a son to him. And that's a beautiful thing. And once again, as friends, we don't just have to, you know, be able to hang out and be buddy-buddy and do social things together. Sometimes it means serving together mm-hmm. and growing together and influencing each other once again. And really seeing each other with that same love and same intimacy as we would a family member. I think that's so valuable. And even as we think about, um, I think about the body of Christ and very beautifully portrayed in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27, and we're not going to read the whole thing, but it Mm -hmm. describes how we are the body of Christ and how we need one another. And you know, the toe that might seem insignificant Mm. is very valuable. Mm -hmm. Let's look at each other as valuable. It doesn't matter if they don't have the same intelligence or the same skills or the same influence as we do. If we're part of the body of Christ, let's look at each other as members of the body of Christ and as valuable contributors and valuable to me and Mm -hmm. me being valuable. So sometimes we might think, oh, I don't need that person. What you know, in our arrogance, we could say, well, what benefit are they to me? Uh, what are they really doing? They're just a new believer, or they don't really have much to say, or, uh, you know, they don't really excite my life, whatever selfish thing we might think. That's wrong thinking. If they're part of the body of Christ, they are part of the body and just as valuable as any one of us. Or probably with women, we tend to have the tendency as well to think, well, what do I have to offer? How do I benefit this other person? We tend to have that insecurity, right? Mm -hmm. But no, if you're part of the body of Christ, you are valuable. And the other parts of the body, other people will benefit from you. So pour into their lives. Mm -hmm. Go and love on people and consider yourself to belong one to another and to Christ. I think super important. And once again, not just thinking about ourselves, but how can I go and love on another? And that takes me also to 1 Corinthians 13, 48. And I will read this, it's a little bit shorter. But love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not Mm. arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And of course, only God is perfectly able to love anyone that way. But if you're, if we're struggling with making friends or building relationships, maybe we need to look at that list and say, is there anything different that I need to be doing? Mm. Uh, am I weak in one of those areas? And if I am, maybe I need to go and practice that, repent of that, and then live that out in my relationships. And I think it'll make a big difference. Mm. And I do, I love the picture of the, of the family, right? Um, and the father and the son and those relationships, you know, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, okay, so I love this next 
friendship, um, we did a pretty in-depth study of the first 20 chapters of Exodus recently with our women's Bible study. And we looked at Moses, his life and his character. And um, we can we can see that Moses often felt inadequate for the mission that God gives him. And in his mercy, God pairs him up with Aaron. And Aaron compliments him perfectly. And together, the two of them can accomplish the impossible. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. And I love how you pointed out that they complemented each other. In other words, they didn't compete against each other and try to one-up one another, but they mutually helped each other. I think this is so valuable, especially as women. We can be very, well, I think men do this in their own way, but I'm talking to women. So we can do this um, often as we look at other women and we see them as competition Mm -hmm. rather than how can I compliment her Mm -hmm. how can we together serve the lord better instead of saying i wish i had her gifts or wow like why doesn't she develop and do more or whatever it might Mm be we we're so competitive and that causes insecurity it causes disunity but if we would actually just be able to say hey i've got strengths and she's got strengths and her strengths actually complement my weaknesses and that means together we can actually really fulfill the purposes and mandates of God. If everybody was like me, right? Like Mm -hmm. there'd be so many parts missing and so many parts of ministry that wouldn't be fulfilled. So let's, let's be like Moses and Aaron, right? Let's Mm -hmm. compliment each other and build each other up. And where one is weak, the other one can step in and fill in. And, and then of course that person will have a strength that you don't have. Let's work together for the mission of God rather than just competing against each other and allowing that to cause disunity and insecurity. Mm. I think that's great. Mm. Good. That's great. Okay, and we have a female friendship here, and we're going to look at Ruth and Naomi. And they become family by marriage, and uh, we read that tragedy hits the family, Naomi loses her husband and her two sons, and through this loss, Ruth proves her deep loyalty to her husband's family, and she travels with Naomi to return to Naomi's people. And the account has a really wonderful ending, but we can see that through the trial that Naomi and Ruth share through the tragedy, a deep and meaningful friendship is created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how you even pointed out that it was through a trial when Naomi had lost her husband, her two sons, and of course, Ruth herself had lost her husband. They're going through this major mourning process. Mm -hmm. And instead of dividing at that point or turning uh, against each other, they grow together. And we see Ruth with that deep loyalty Mm -hmm. and uh Naomi had lost so much. She had even turned bitter. Probably not the nicest person to be around at that time. Mm -hmm. But Ruth stuck with her. And what a great example that is of a a true friendship that can endure during the hardships of life, right? Mm -hmm. It's often in our hardships that we end up losing friends, right? I've, I've, I've heard of that when people are in their loneliest, when they're going through their most difficult times, it's as if that's when they get abandoned. And maybe it's because people don't know what to say to them anymore. Maybe they just don't know how to relate. Maybe they are tired of hearing about the sadness and and want to move on with life. And that's so sad, right? But here we see Ruth being a true friend, even in her own grief, 
but recognizing Naomi's grief and then saying, we're going to stick together and I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. What a beautiful illustration. And I know like I was just even skimming through some other um, aspects of friendship in God's word. And there's, there's so many examples of friends and friends getting together. I saw in Acts 24 and Acts 27 that Paul's friends cared for him, right? They mm. took care of him when he was mm-hmm. in prison or in, um, you know, a, a home under, um, under the law mm-hmm. where he was being watched. His friends would come and they would care for him. I also saw references of people celebrating with friends and telling them the good news of Jesus and sharing the gospel with them and uh, greeting each other, praying together, encouraging each other, things that true friends do. A reminder that we aren't to live this life alone, but we are Mm -hmm. to live it together. Once again, that that difference between radical individualism that our our culture is so... um, you know, they promote individualism so much. It's it's a worldview and it's going to be so hard to undo that. But as Christians, we can do that one step at a time. And I think we really need to be focusing on that. Instead of just thinking about ourselves, let's think about one another and how to live out the one another's of scripture. Mm-hmm. And so I actually decided to quickly look up the one another's of scripture. And I'm sure there's more that I could find but very easily, I found 25 of them. Ooh. And so just bear with me here because I'm going to quickly <laughs> read them all. And I'm actually hoping to have a graphic to go with this, but we'll, we'll see if it works out because 25 might be a lot to fit on one little graphic. But just listen to these one another's that we are to practice in Scripture as Christians. It says, be at peace with one another. And we can find, find that in Mark 9 verse 50. Love one another with brotherly affection, Romans 12, 10. Outdo one another in showing honor, Romans 12.10. Live in harmony with one another, Romans 12.16. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you, Romans 15.7. Instruct one another, Romans 15.14. Greet one another with a holy kiss, Romans 16.16. Comfort one another, 2 Corinthians 13.11. Agree with one another, 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Serve one another, Galatians 5, 13. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6, 2. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, Ephesians 4, 2. I think that's essentially the same as what I just read before, but mm. a little more detail there. Mm-hmm. But then number 13 is be kind to one another, Ephesians 4, 32. Forgiving one another as Christ or as God in Christ mm-hmm. forgave you, Ephesians four thirty two. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, Ephesians five twenty one. Admonishing one another in all wisdom, Colossians three sixteen. Love one another. First uh, Thessalonians five eleven. Build one another up, First Thessalonians five eleven. Do good to one another, First Thessalonians five fifteen. Exhort one another, Hebrews three thirteen. Stir up one another to love and good works. Hebrews 10.24 Confess your sins to one another. James 5.16 Pray for one another. James 5.16 And then show hospitality to one another. 1 Peter 4.9 Like, wow, that's mm. that's a huge list. I don't <laughs> think we're meant to live in isolation. We are meant to live oh, with one another. So true. <laughs> that's right. Well, we learned that the past three years. We are not meant to live in isolation. It's not good. Mm -mm. It's not good. Mm. 
Well, thank you for sharing that list. I think I need to, um, to look at it again. That was great. Um, well, I think we saved the best biblical mm. example of friendship for last. And um, I tried a couple of times to find the right words to describe the friendship that we have with Jesus. But even now, the, the more I think about his love and the deep abiding friendship that he offers, I don't, I don't have a sufficient way to express it. Um, you know, thinking about the holiness of God, like creating the world, this amazing God, um, sustaining the world, and then, and then caring for us in, in such a deep way that he would send his son to humble himself and be humiliated on a cross when we were still sinning. Like, it brings me to tears. It brings me to worship. So, um, that is, yeah, again, I, I don't even have mm-hmm. the words that I want. Yeah. 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 He definitely is the perfect example of a friendship. Mm-hmm. And I think even calling it friendship is mind boggling. And if it wasn't actually said in scripture, I would feel like I didn't even have a right to say yeah. friendship with God. Yeah. Because on the one hand, he is so holy and so you know, he is like no other. He's beyond me. Like, who am I to say Mm. I have friendship with him? Mm -hmm. And yet he's made it possible, right? And he calls us his friends. And if he calls us his friends, then certainly I think we can say, yeah, he is my friend. Um, But it's a friendship like no other because Mm -hmm. he is so much more reverent and holy and he is deity and we are simply human. But... Um, even just a few passages of scripture. And I think there was actually another one I was going to mention, but uh, for now, Exodus 33 verse 11, it says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, right? Moses was a friend of God. He would speak to him as a friend face to face. Uh, And it doesn't mean literally physical face to face, but there was that intimacy there, right? how beautiful and hopefully we too experience that as we go to God in prayer and as we go to his word and we hear him speaking to us through his word and his spirit right and then John fifteen thirteen to 15 says greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends you are my friends if you do what I command you no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father. I've made known to you once again, an intimacy, Mm -hmm. a sacrifice. Like he laid down his life Mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I see a little bit like there is, we do need to obey him. Uh, True friends will obey. True friends of God will obey him. Right. Uh, That's one way we show that we are a friend of God. And then James two 23 also says, Uh, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Mm. Once again, that sounds so sweet. Like, Can you imagine Susie, a friend of God, Sandy, a friend of God? Like, I'm sorry. I have a hard time comprehending that. It's too much. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. It is. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then James 4, 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity mm. with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Mm. Just kind of a harsh but true reminder, we can't be friends with both God and the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a divide there, and we have to choose, right? And um, and so let's, let's choose well. Let's choose mm. to be a friend of God rather than a friend of the world like we've already tried to describe with our limited uh, vocabulary, Mm. how sweet it is to be called a friend of God. And let's invest in that friendship, right? And Mm -hmm. being in God's word, not as a duty, but as a desire and going to him in prayer, not because it's just one more thing we have to do to make ourselves holy, but we desire to have that communication, right? I like to have communication with my friends, wouldn't I then also desire that communication where I'm both talking but also listening mm. to God and and then also recognizing him that he is above us. He's not equal to us even though he calls us a friend. Um, he, is, he is greater than us. He is God and we are not. And so in this friendship, remembering that reverence, I think mm-hmm. that's super important. And it's a little bit of a mystery, I think, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. The go- much of the gospel is on how that actually works. But I think as we walk with him, he shows us how to have both that reverence, but also that security, that safety, that intimacy mm-hmm. with with him, right? So to me, being a friend of God, it's mind-boggling. It's awesome. It's humbling. And it it's just beautiful because I know that um, as much as I have good friends and good relationships here on earth, all of them will fail me. Mm-hmm. And some of them are temporary, but God will never leave me or forsake me. He will, he, he has promised to take me with, to be with him in eternity, right? So there's no safer relationship than we have mm-hmm. with God. And then I could just keep going on and on. Like he knows everything about <laughs> us and he still loves us, right? Like sometimes people re- will reject us when they know everything about us. But God says, no, I sent my son to die for that. Mm-hmm. And to help heal you and to help you to grow and develop. And he, he really is a sweet, sweet friend. It's, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Yeah. A treasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We could go on and on. It's beautiful. Well, that was our part one of our friendship series. And hopefully you've been encouraged to look at the friendships that you have and to, to be intentional mm. and also to, to treasure that that sweet friendship that we have with Jesus. Hey, I'm just going to add something mm, here. Mm-hmm. So if there's anyone that's been listening today and you have a specific question that you would like us to answer or discuss, or you even have a tip that you think has worked really well in your life about friendship, feel free to email either Sandy or myself. So our emails are very similar. It's Sandy at harvestwindsor.ca or Susie at harvestwindsor.ca. So Sandy is S-A-N-D-I at harvestwindsor.ca. Susie is S-U-S-I-E at harvestwindsor.ca. It's all lowercase. Mm -hmm. So feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. I'm going to close with a one another. (laughs) First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. We're looking forward to our next episode and we're going to dig into some practical ways that we can build and sustain friendships 
to talk about what people are doing and what we can be better at doing. So we thank you for joining us as we rebuild biblical womanhood from the foundation up. Mm-hmm.